Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of July 30th, 2020, including Halo Infinite is bringing back couch co-op as promised. Why the heck haven't we seen this year's Call of Duty yet? We finally have a slight update on what Compulsion Games is up to, and more. supposed to have a new intro song to play this week but i guess this audio file doesn't want to cooperate so whatever welcome to xbox on before we get started this week let's do a special shout out to obsidian uh, who just launched their new game grounded which is out now technically it's not officially out it's in preview but you can go ahead and play it. anyone anyone has access to it it's on uh, game pass of course and you can access the early or you can you can join in on the early access or the preview via game pass or on steam early access so there's a lot of ways you can join the fun. Seems like people are really into it. I was surprised actually just how well it's kind of launch numbers are doing. It's it's doing very well on Twitch. There's a lot of people streaming it. And it's also just seems like anecdotally a lot of people are downloading it and giving it a try. So congrats to Obsidian for what seems like a pretty successful launch. And hopefully this game turns out to be a pretty big hit for Obsidian and, and hopefully grows legs. And But yeah, so that's out. So if you haven't, if you forgot about that, you can go ahead and try it out. Other than that, just a couple little things I want to clear before we get into this week's kind of normal run of show. Cuphead is was just a surprise announced and released on PlayStation 4. So what that means is Studio MDHR uh, is basically dead to all of us here on Xbox. Remember, we don't like Cuphead anymore. It is no longer a console exclusive. I know it's been on Switch, but the Switch doesn't really count for shit. Uh, but now that's on PlayStation, that is officially the enemy. So remember, we don't like Cuphead anymore. That's a bad move. More players having access to Cuphead is a bad thing, and we should all boycott Cuphead forevermore. Another thing I want to bring to light is that Ubisoft's Ubisoft's uh, recently announced, and I guess it's kind of out in beta form on PC, but their new Battle Royale game, Hyperscape, uh, it's been brought to my attention that I've been calling it Hyperspace all this time, thinking that was the correct name, but my brother pointed out to me that Apparently, he and my nephew have been laughing behind my back because I keep calling the game Hyperspace on the show when, in fact, it is called Hyperscape. So, first of all, I'd like to say a big fuck you to all of you who who noticed that but didn't point it out. You made me you made me look bad, and you know how I feel about my image. Uh, second of all, I guess I, I I guess calling it Hyperspace isn't really that much of an insult anyway, since it's kind of a generic name for what seems like a pretty generic game. That's not to say it's not a fun game. I'm sure it's fine, but it's uh, it's definitely a bandwagony kind of battle royale. So I, I don't know. I, it, I I don't feel too bad about it, but I would like to clear that up, uh, just just for my street cred alone, if if anything else. And then our next one here is that Gabe Newell. Many of you know him as the 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 kind of head of Valve, the the big guy over at Valve, the guy behind our games you may like, uh, such as Half Life, and and services you may be familiar with, such as Steam. Mr. Gabe Newell was asked in an interview this past week about his opinions on the PS5 and Xbox One. I didn't put this in like the news roundup because it's not really news, but I saw people really, like the Xbox community really lit up this week on social media. I saw people really excited about this because without hesitation, Gabe Newell's basically just like, yeah, Xbox is better. It's a better console. It's the one I would go with. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's shocking because Gabe Newell like fam- famously kind of had some beef with Microsoft back in the day, but 
but now he's all just like, yeah, Xbox Series X is way better than PS5. So a lot of people, a lot of Xbox fans were taking that as like a big old dunk on PlayStation. So I don't, I mean, there's that's not really news. It's not really anything. It's just a single guy's opinion on the new consoles. But people seem to be really proud of that of that quote from that interview. So, so there you go. Gabe Newell seems to be on our side. At the very least, that means we don't have to cancel him. We can let him, we can let him be. He seems to be an X-Bot. If he begins to exhibit any playstation or pony like behavior we will then have to reassess our collective opinion of him but for now he seems like a safe a safe ally to have in our in our corner and then lastly i would like to make another correction that no one no one seemed to have caught or at least called me out on but i i figured out i was wrong and it is that Destiny Beyond Light, the new upcoming expansion for Destiny 2 that comes out this November, is actually launching into Game Pass. Last week when I was reading the news, I said that Destiny 2 and all of its DLC up until the the upcoming expansion will launch into Game Pass when in fact everything's going into Game Pass. So Beyond Light will go into Game Pass when it comes out this November, which is actually mind-blowing because I mean you go from like Destiny being this thing that's like an amazing deal for PlayStation gamers because PlayStation gamers are constantly getting access to stuff like a year before Xbox gamers and they're getting certain weapons and skins and things that Xbox gamers never get at all and those were due to pre-negotiated deals between Sony and Activision but now that Bungie is all independent with the Destiny IP and they're not working with Activision it's it's interesting it's been interesting to see kind of the partnerships and allegiances they've made on their own since and it's really weird to see them kind of get in bed with Microsoft again but here we are with Destiny Beyond Light coming into Game Pass on day one, which is just honestly quite an amazing thing to see happen just because obviously Bungie and Microsoft kind of have some bad blood with each other from back in the day. And Destiny is a franchise that we like very much associate as being a a kind of PlayStation thing. So this is just like a win-win all around for the Xbox community. But I'm very happy about it as a Destiny fan. That's a little bit less money I had to spend on a new expansion for Destiny because there's no way I wasn't going to play this. But also, it's just kind of like the very first time Destiny's ever had like a fuck you win over PlayStation. Of course, PlayStation owners will still be able to play Beyond Light on the same day as Xbox gamers, but those those uh, those simpletons are going to... Those simps, as we call them, right? Those simps are going to have to make a full purchase with their wallets, and that's... It sucks to suck, I guess. So that's it for all my corrections and little early shout-out things. But now we are going to start out with what seems to be the most popular segment of the show, or at least anecdotally it seems to be that way, which is the comments, the shout-outs, the questions, the uh, anecdotes, whatever it is that you guys all write in with, uh, of which this week we have a lot of them. Now, let me just preface with this. Listen, if, if I had all the time in the world, I would love for you guys to write in as much as you want, as lengthy of comments as, as you'd like. And I've really held back from making this comment, but I feel like I just got to make this comment now because it's gotten to the point where some of these questions or some of these comments are just very, very long. And while I certainly appreciate that you guys are willing to write in such lengthy comments because that shows me that like you're willing to take that time out of your day and your personal life and your personal free time to write into the show and to be a part of this show and engage with it. And I greatly respect that. It also kind of... I don't know, sometimes bogs down the comment section a little bit because some of these some of these comments are just really, really long. And so I'll, I'll say this much in the way that our government and a lot of a lot of governments or local governments here in the U.S. like to implement mask laws and then conveniently forget to enforce them. I'm going to loosely implement a law where now on this show, if you want to have your comment read, you have to try to keep it somewhat concise 
just so that we're not spending, you know, like 20 minutes on one question. Now, much like many governments, local governments here in the US, I'm not going to do anything to enforce this. I'm going to I'm going to warn you, I'm going to try to scare you with it. I'm probably still going to read your question or comment even if it's really really long, but just know that even though it doesn't really mean anything or or serve as any kind of potential punishment for you as a listener, there is a law that now says on the show, your question can't be, you know, more than two paragraphs, more than, you know, you know, something that's going to take up too much time. So just try to keep it, you know, concise, somewhat succinct with the comments and questions. If you can, if you can't, I mean, we're just going to run things like we're running it here where I live in Florida, where we just don't listen to the laws and there's no, uh, there's no repercussions for your actions whatsoever. So with that said, our first comment here comes from Geezy, who says, or Jeezy, or I don't fucking know, I'm practically illiterate, but they say, another solid episode. I have my colleagues at work listening to your podcast, The Day It's Out, getting you some love from the UK. First of all, thank you so much. That's really awesome. I, I especially always get extra fuzzy inside just knowing that there are people listening to me internationally, which is just kind of fucking crazy. I can't even get people standing right beside me to listen to me for a fucking second at work. I can't believe there are people in the UK voluntarily deciding to take their time to come and listen to me. So I greatly appreciate that, first of all. And then you continue on. I agree Halo is going to be great. We share the same opinion about gameplay being more important over crazy graphics in this game. It would be nice if they tone it, but I'll love this game anyways. Here's a question for the next podcast. As you love theme park food, do you see yourself traveling to England theme parks to taste uh, what's what's on offer? So first of all, thank you again. Thank you so much to you and your colleagues at work for listening to the show. That's That actually really brightens my my mood and, and and makes me feel really fuzzy inside so that's I, I i greatly appreciate that as for halo i agree man it's 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 gameplay over graphics i understand there's a little dissonance with xbox saying hey we've got the most powerful console in the world and then the their pillar game is like not the most visually stunning thing we've ever seen before but at the end of the day the most important thing for any game is if it's fun to play and i think halo infinite looks like crazy fun so i don't know just just by the the age-old sound or sage kind of concept of gameplay being king. I think Halo Infinite looks like it's a like it's an absolute winner, but I guess time will tell. And then, as for your final question here, you brought up theme parks and food, so uh, it's like it's like you're just trying. It's like you knew exactly what to say to get right on the air. So you say here's about about theme parks in England and in, in, in food. As far as food goes, with 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 theme parks and traveling abroad i have no fucking clue i'll be honest with you now i definitely i definitely follow theme parks uh, internationally there i have i have certainly lists of parks i would like to go to across all of europe and asia and just all over the world there's so many theme parks i would like to travel to that i haven't been to in particular in the in england i would really like to go to alton towers uh, i've actually had like a mild obsession with that park ever since i was a young child i discovered it when i was like 11 years old, 12 years old. I remember in middle school, I did a project on Alton Towers about, about like, uh, how if you're traveling to the UK, we were assigned, like, I don't remember what the project was, but we were assigned different countries to do like uh, tourism projects on. I was assigned England. So I was like, Oh, okay. Well, if you go to, if you go to England, yeah, you can do all the bullshit touristy stuff, like go and see big Ben and the eye and all that shit. Or you can go to a theme park, which is about the most Jesse thing I could have done at the ripe age of 11 or 12 or whatever I was. But yeah, so I, I did some research and that's when I discovered Alton Towers and I did a whole project about it and how it's like the, the perfect place to visit when you, when you travel to the UK. And uh, I've, I've wanted to go ever since. It looks like a phenomenal theme park. Uh, aside from that, I've also always wanted to go to Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Seems like they have a 
really solid lineup of roller coasters over there, as well as a Thorpe Park. Thorpe Park looks really nice as well. So definitely a lot of theme parks I would like to I would like to visit uh, if I ever make my way over to the UK, which hopefully I will. Hopefully I won't always be this uh, this young and poor, and uh, one day I'll be able to make my way over there and, and get some coaster credits. But as far as food goes, I really don't know. I don't know what the food offering looks like in those kinds of theme parks. I assume it's generic theme park food, but I will be sure to try it out when I'm there, of course, because I, I will never knock theme park food until I've tried it, because that is a, a basic rule of thumb when traveling to theme parks. As far as you know, traveling England in general, I'm really excited to try Indian food. I know there's a lot of obviously Indian influence due to history, you know, in in England, and so I, as as a lover of Indian food, I would really love to eat some delicious Indian food. But I don't know. I guess my understanding of England is it's pretty much like the U.S. when it comes to food, right? I mean, it's a it's a pretty international country, so you have you know your pick of basically whatever you want. Like American food is basically just whatever you're feeling, whether it's you know Mexican, Chinese, American, fucking whatever you name it, you got it here. I assume that's how most countries are. So I don't really know. Nothing in particular. Maybe I'll go to a Gordon Ramsay restaurant so I can feel like a ultimate tourist. But yeah, definitely, definitely have some theme parks to knock off the list when I if I ever make my way over there, which hopefully I will someday. But I appreciate you writing in. And then our next comment comes from a marketer gaming regular here who says, "Yo, I appreciate the response." Now remember, this is this is the young gentleman who took umbrage with my stance on Kingdom Hearts the other week, and so he says, "Yo, I appreciate the response and agree to disagree on Kingdom Hearts." I agree there were some obvious misses at the Xbox game showcase, but one thing I appreciate about your show is that you acknowledge how many PlayStation trolls shit on Xbox for no reason. It was a solid showing, and there's a lot to be excited about. As much as I love the idea of being the Xbox on Inside Employee Agent, I'm only a lowly intern for the time being. Fingers crossed. I actually had a one-on-one with Phil Spencer, and he is everything you mentioned. If you could ask him one question, what would it be? I'd be happy to forward it over. Also, I know you have a lit degree, so if you ever wanted to get on a creative team, I get to make intern references soon. Can't really think of anyone better than the host of this amalgamation of fanboy hot takes. Well, thank you so much for commenting. I really appreciate appreciate you writing in. And uh, yeah, as for what all you said, first of all, that's that's really awesome that you've had the chance to meet Phil Spencer and have a one-on-one conversation with him. So that's that's fucking badass. And I hope that you know your career with Xbox or your internship with Xbox continues to grow into a really awesome career, and that you can you know if that's what you want to do, if that's what you aspire to do, that that continues to you know doors continue to open for you, and that you continue to be able to grow within that company and, and leave your mark on our uh, our beloved Xbox brand. So that's really awesome, and I'm happy for you, man. As for what I would ask Phil Spencer if I could ask him anything, I'll be honest, I don't even know, aside from the fact that like I'll probably never talk to Phil Spencer, the other thing is I don't even know that I have anything of value to ever ask the man. It'd, it'd be a waste of his time if I ever say anything to him. I'd Honest to God, I'd probably ask him tacos or burritos if I ever met the guy. I don't fucking know. But yeah, I mean, hey, I have a literature degree and I'm certainly not using it. I have a I have a dead-end job, so if you if you... If you want to pass my name along, you do what you got to do. If hey, if this if this podcast becomes a conflict of interest, I'll shut the whole thing down and leave all of you guys high and dry. If it means I get to go uh, start an internship with Xbox, so if you, hey, if you want to throw my hat in the ring, DM me. Do whatever you got to do. I'd, I'd I'd greatly appreciate that. But all joking aside, that's very kind of you to uh, to bring up, and I and I greatly appreciate you writing in, O Marketer. So uh, our next comment here comes from well, it's our second time from a. Uh, Tanali Maya, who who left that uh, beautiful little uh, number of a comment last week, and uh, if you don't remember specifically who this commenter was, I think this week's comment will immediately jog your memory. So let's jump right into it. They say, 
Let's begin by establishing that I am a grown-ass man who has gained respect in professional circles for being the balanced team member who provides stability and integrity. On the morning of the Xbox Game Showcase, I donned a royal blue t-shirt with a pixelated image of the Master Chief on its chest. I drank a nice coffee, compliments of Keurig, in my 32-ounce Halo 3 cup, which I purchased from the Bungie store when that title launched. My wife and kids were asleep upstairs while I adjusted the bunny ears on my television to get the YouTube broadcast in 1.5K. I watched the Halo Infinite cinematic where Steve Downs and Diego Luna crash the Pelican as if I were watching Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington act it out. I clenched at my heart <laughs> through my royal blue Spartan 117 t-shirt. I, <laughs> I took a big gulp from my commemorative cup as the Halo Infinite menu screen appeared. Then we got to see the gameplay, and I have to be honest, I cannot lie to you, Jesse, or Lethal Migraine, or Dead Captain James, or even you, Josiah. I loved it. I loved the gameplay, and I personally didn't notice any grass popping or hard edges or whatever. All I saw was fun AF gameplay. Now I understand the concerns voiced by the Halo-loving community, as well as the boisterous voices of the PlayStation fanboys, about the display quality of this title. But, to me, the most important aspect is the feel of it. And from that perspective, I think I really think 343 knocked it out of the park. I won't get mad if the game is delayed. I won't bellyache if it will take several patches to make it look better. As long as I can kick ass like the dev on that demo, I'm good. Amen, first of all, uh, to Nali Maya. That's a very, very well put. Another uh, really obscure comment that I actually really appreciate because it looks like you put a lot of work into this into this comment, but really well crafted comment and uh, actually extremely well put. I, I agree completely. A actually, I even concur about the whole texture pop in. I didn't notice that either with assets kind of popping in and out until after I watched the video like four times and saw other people start to make mention of it. Now I can't not notice it. I watched the video, I watched the gameplay demo like once or twice a day still, and I can't not notice it now because it's been pointed out so many times. But I agree, the first time I saw it, I didn't mention, I didn't notice any of that. I noticed, you know, I noticed some graphical flaws or just some graphical kind of weakness. But when I first saw the demo, that wasn't what the lasting impression for me was at all. My, my lasting impression was like, Oh, the game looks incredible. We're, we're in good hands. Right. Um, but you, you also followed up your comment with some suggestions. You said a few suggestions for the August hardware, uh, in services event, a, a real time demo of quick resume toggle feature on Xbox series X, and then use that feature to reveal a new game like perfect dark. That's a great idea. B, Pair a deep dive on all Xbox All Access service with the Lockhart reveal. Another good idea. Remind people of that, especially in a time where no one has money. And then C, change Project X Cloud name to Xtreme. I know it's cheesy, but it's easy to remember and it encapsulates what the service is about. And D, remove Phil Spencer and put Lethal Migraine in charge. Okay, so <laughs> all in favor of uh, removing Phil Spencer from Team Xbox and putting Lethal Migraine in charge, uh, please comment in and let me know what you think about that. Uh, otherwise, I agree. I think the uh, I think they do need to show another that quick resume demo because the last time they showed it it was really cool but it, they were showing you know Xbox One games I would like to see them show like Halo Infinite quick resuming between you know a couple other Xbox Series X games to show next gen games doing it I think a really awesome thing they could also show would be would be uh, a Halo Infinite fast time or fast travel load time because remember when the first time we ever heard anything about the PlayStation Five you know they didn't show it but there was the the article written about how um about how like they showed fast travel in PS4 Spider-Man and then on the PS5 like it took like no time at all to fast travel I think it'd be really cool if they showed fast travel in Halo Infinite to kind of show how fast the Xbox Series X SSD 
can can load stuff in and out. Although, you know, it, maybe if it's not as fast as what PlayStation can do, you maybe don't want to show that. I don't know. Uh, but I think that'd be a cool idea for a demo as well as showing the quick resume. And hey, if they if they use that as a segue to reveal Perfect Dark, that'd be so cool because I would really like to know what the initiative's up to. I'm, again, I was really surprised we didn't hear anything from them during the, that show last week. But anyway, and then, yeah, I, I, I agree. Xbox All Access is definitely something they should... Uh, really make more public and capitalize on and double down on right now because I mean I know things seem okay financially at least here in the states uh, things things seem okay financially but it's about to become an absolute shit show in this country I, I can't speak for the rest of the world but at least in this country the economy is about to fall to shit because our fucking useless government is too busy bitching and moaning about what the CEO of Facebook is doing and too busy taking breaks uh, from figuring out how to help people who are out of work and about to lose their homes. So there are a lot of people who are about to be put in a financial situation where they cannot afford an Xbox Series X uh, or they cannot afford to pay their goddamn rent, let alone an Xbox Series X. So if you have a way of capitalizing on or marketing or pushing a service like Xbox All Access, which allows people to affordably and more digestibly gain access to a next generation console, then I think that's something you really want to drive home, especially when your biggest market, the US, is about to fall to shit because our politicians are so used to being fucking rich, pampered ass wipes that they can't even stop for a single fucking second and think about taking care of and helping their people, the people who employ them and that who they are paid to legislate for. But anyway, not to get political. This is an Xbox podcast. I appreciate you writing in. I agree. Those are some good tips and suggestions. And I look forward to seeing what Lethal Migraine's reign as head of Xbox looks like. Rest in peace, Phil Spencer. Our next comment, a little lighthearted tone. Let's just let's just take an easy, breezy break. Lethal Migraine comes in and says, Jersey Mike's is awesome. A giant number 42 chicken uh, Chipotle chicken cheesesteak on that exquisite rosemary bread. I didn't have that one in particular, but my girlfriend had one other variants of a chicken cheesesteak when we went there the other week, and I agree, it was it was damn good. So that sounds like a good order. I, I don't know. That sounds like something I would eat. So nice shout-out to, to Jersey Mike's. I'm glad at least someone in the audience knew what Jersey Mike's was or had some experience with it. It's a good sandwich shop. I definitely recommend you uh, drop everything you're doing, even if it's even if you're nursing a young child, drop that thing on its head and head out to your nearest Jersey Mike's for a giant number 42 Chipotle chicken cheesesteak on that exquisite rosemary bread. And then our next comment here comes from OG commenter Dead Captain James, who says, I couldn't help but be disappointed by yesterday. I couldn't help but be disappointed yesterday, yesterday referring to the game showcase. I have been an Xbox fan for 15 years now, but I don't see myself buying a Series X at launch. This will be the first time I don't buy the Xbox day one. I will just be upgrading my PC and subscribing to Xbox Game Pass and buying a PS5 day one. I guess I will still be part of the Xbox ecosystem, but man, Halo Infinite looked rough. I love Halo and the old Halo games, but I was just hoping for a bigger evolution on Halo. I feel like they just need to come out and reboot Halo entirely. That's the only way I can see Halo surviving. And then I, I came in and I said, uh, with Halo, I wish they just stuck with what they were doing instead of trying to please fans. I agree that it needs some visual tender loving care, but the gameplay looks great. And then he says, gameplay looks serviceable, but it looked old and slow to me. I was hoping for more. I watched the trailer in 4K about 10 times already, and if you watch it without the... Without the music turned on, it feels bland. I hope I'm wrong and it turns out to be amazing. You know me, I'm not a hater by any means. And I and the only reason I included this the responses was because Dead Captain James is right, you know, to, to add that little piece of defense there. That Dead Captain James is usually a pretty level-headed commenter and he's usually pretty optimistic and, and 
and willing to give the benefit of the doubt. So I, I agree. You are, you aren't usually, I mean, you, you, you've never really been a hater or unfair in any way, or your comments have never come off to me as unfair or unjust. So I, I agree that, you know, this, because of that, this is your one. This is like, I, I agree. Your comment here is pretty validated. Your opinion, your perspective here. I think this is a, I think you represent a way a lot of people feel. And, you know, even though I was a little higher on the conference overall than a lot of people were, and I'm pretty optimistic about Halo Infinite, I think you represent an audience that's kind of getting lost in the shuffle a little bit here because it's overwhelmingly either negative or it's, you know, people who are overwhelmingly positive and there's just not a lot of kind of this middle ground being represented of people who are like, you know, disappointed, but um, not completely ripping, you know, ripping the conference to shreds. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm just saying that to say, I take your point. I, I, I get you. I feel you. I don't know. It's, I guess it's kind of disappointing to hear that. I mean, you're more than welcome to, to do what you want with your money and with your purchase, your purchasing decisions are, are your own, but it's a, uh, it's sad to see, you know, Xbox fans feel like Xbox didn't deliver and that, you know, they're in a position now where it's like, man, I really don't need to upgrade to a series X now. And in Xbox's defense, it's like, let's put it like this. If the Xbox one X wasn't going to be supported from here on out. And if Xbox wasn't supporting PC from here on out, if this was like a traditional generation where like everything ends at the Xbox one starting in November and begins on the Xbox series X and PC is a separate beast all on its own. I'm sure a lot more people would still be interested in the series X and there would be more of a reason to jump on board, but with things being a little more or a little less like in your face, exciting. And with there being so many options of ways to play, I agree. There are a lot of Xbox fans who are probably left in this position of like, well, Xbox didn't do a great job of selling me on the Series X. I can just stick with my PC or stick with my One X for a little bit longer before I upgrade. And 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 I know the the common response to that is, well, then Xbox is still winning because that's that's the whole point is they don't care if you're playing on Series X or Xbox One or PC. They just want you to subscribe to Game Pass and play their games. And yes, that is true. But I mean, they they want to sell Series Xs. Xbox isn't. Xbox isn't making the Series X for show. It's not a big promotion for for Game Pass and nothing else. You know, they want to sell that hardware. They want people to be game. They want you to buy an Xbox Series X over a PlayStation Five. They want you to buy a Series X over sticking with your old Xbox One. They want you to buy a Series X over a PC. And those you know those alternate ways to play are are there if you want them to be. But of course they want to fucking sell their hardware. So. This, I mean, this is a loss for Xbox. This is a, this is a little bit of a disappointing fact for Xbox that they have left some, some fans, you know, a little bit disappointed. And I, I think it's kind of understandable how some fans are disappointed. And, and again, like I said, even though I don't personally feel that way, I, I personally am still like all on day one Xbox Series X purchase. I can definitely see where people like Dead Captain James are coming from, where they're like, you know, I already have a powerful PC. Why would I need to buy a Series X when, you know, what I'm going to get? Well, I really haven't been given a reason why this console in particular is just so unique and unlike anything else. And I don't know. I I guess it would have been nice if not necessarily Halo Infinite, but if Xbox just had something at the showcase to say, hey, we keep calling this the most powerful console ever made. And here's the game that backs up that claim. And even though Halo Infinite looks really fun to me, I agree. It's not that game that says, hey, this is the most powerful console ever made. And now I think, and as we'll get into a little bit later in the show, I think there are a lot of things to back up why Halo Infinite doesn't look as good as you might be expecting. But at the end of the day, there's only so much, you know, excuse making you can do. And I I do expect the game to look a little better. I mean, it it is an open world game that supports split screen and... You know, those things are intensive on the on the game. So 
Massive open world games tend to not be the prettiest looking games on the market. You know, you see people comparing The Last of Us Part 2 to Halo Infinite. It's like, hang on a second. The Last of Us Part 2 is a super linear, narrow, story-driven game. And Halo Infinite is a big open world game where you can have, you know, two players on the same screen in that massive open world. So it's like, it's not exactly a one-to-one comparison, but I, I agree that's not a complete excuse for why the game doesn't look better the game should look better and i think it will look better eventually i'm i'm sure it will look better when it launches and then it'll continue to look better over the course of the next year or so with continuous updates so i don't think this is by any means the final version but i understand the the criticisms about the way the game looked and the console just not selling it you know on the other hand if you're someone like dead captain james who is a multi-platform gamer who plays on pc xbox and playstation i get it you have a powerful pc that will run all your xbox stuff the xbox series x isn't giving you any massive reason to buy this specific piece of hardware where you already have an xbox you already have a powerful pc that plays xbox games and then the playstation 5 is over here saying hey we're a next-gen console that plays games you can't play anywhere else, and here's a look at some of those really next-gen-looking games. Like, like Ratchet & Clank, I, I think some people overlook this, but, like, that new Ratchet & Clank game, or Rift, whatever it is, it's something, a Rift, or whatever it's called, I mean, that's some really next-gen shit, what they're doing in that game, is they're just constantly on the fly, just warping between game worlds. Like, that's not just some cutesy, like, mechanic for that game only that could have been done before. Like, that, that could not have been done on a PS3, or probably even a PS4. Like, that's some that's some next generation processing right there to be able to just jump between game worlds on the fly like that. That's a really next gen looking game. To me, that's what I've always been talking about with like what does next gen look like? It's not just graphical fidelity. It's about technical achievement. And that's that's a that's a next generation example of technical achievement, right? Is being able to just jump through worlds, through levels and game portals on the fly super fast at the you know at the flick of a wrist at the at the snap of a finger like that's that's next generation and i think ratchet and clink shows it off great and while halo infinite in my opinion is is the game i'm by far the most hyped about just period in the in the world of gaming right now I, i'm not gonna lie it's like i've i've seen open world games that look better sure it's not the prettiest game i've ever seen and yeah it's gonna look better later but nothing they showed off as excited as i am as a halo fan nothing they showed in that demo looked like something i hadn't or something that I wouldn't believe would be possible to run on an Xbox One or even an Xbox 360. Honestly, it's just you know it's it's from a from a from a from the point of of just game design and game mechanics, nothing felt next gen. And I think that's the bigger miss than the graphics, right? Because it's about what does this game do that last gen didn't do, not how does this game look. That's just so, or how much better does this game look than previous generations? And I think that's really how we need to frame that whole what makes something next gen kind of conversation more. And again, with that, I don't think Halo Infinite shows any features or or components that just inherently look unlike anything we could have ever seen on an Xbox One. And so that's a, that's a fair point. But also keep in mind, Halo Infinite is also an Xbox One game. So it is also, you know, somewhat beholden to being able to run on older hardware, although I'm sure there will be advantages to the Series X version over the Xbox One version, for sure. You know, not just talking about 60 FPS in an open world game, which is really impressive, and 4K options, of course, and probably some other stuff, faster loading and, and fast travel and things like that, but whatever. So that was Dead Captain James. I appreciate you writing in. And then we'll jump into uh, Mr. Sarugi here. We'll try to go a little faster because we got a couple more comments. But Sarugi says, geez, where to begin? That was one hell of a podcast, my man. Kudos for sticking it out for 2.5, two and a half hours. And, and to cut Josiah's comment in the interest of saving time, genius of course i kid much love to your bro for being the sacrificial lamb in the comments last week 
<laughs> what a great opening. Uh, for, first up, the important stuff. Jersey Mike's seems to be international as it is here in Australia. I haven't tried it myself, but since you've given it such a, a glowing review, I'm going to have to track one down and see for myself. Well, sir, that is uh, that's that's certainly a, some some high expectation to live up to. I, ho- I hope it doesn't disappoint. Let me know how that goes uh, when you eventually do try Jersey Mike's. And then you continue on by saying, the Xbox game showcase made me feel how I assume my wife feels after sex. Glad to have been a part of it, but ultimately a bit disappointed. Really well put. I can I can relate. Halo was great despite the Xbox bashing with all the random screen grabs. Looked lo- looked a little off lighting and all that, but it was on a pre-E3 build, so I'm not all that concerned. Seeing it in 4K definitely made me made it feel more crisp. Avowed Crossfire X campaign by Remedy. Yes, please. The Medium and Fables announcement were really the only things that interested me. Not to say the entire show was bad, but just a lot of it didn't do it for me. As Lethal Migraine has said below, a lot of this stuff should have been either in the pre-show or on Xbox Wire. And seeing a lot of console launch exclusive titles just made me feel like like they threw money at the devs to get some kind of exclusives on board. Uh, if it's if it's timed, it's not exclusive in my opinion. To compare it against Sony's event though, essentially they were pretty much the same. A couple of good games, a bit of gameplay, but overall not a hell of a lot to offer. If I'm not mistaken, Sony is launching with just one of the games shown at their events, and that's that of course is Miles Morales, the Spider-Man DLC, not a DLC standalone thing. Not a DLC standalone thingy. So at least Xbox is launching with something of a massive and uh, fully fledged game, even if it's only just one game. Uh, a couple of things here. I, I I don't. I think you're incorrect. First of all, about the Miles Morales thing. That is a standalone. It's not. It's like a 1.5 game. You know, it's like a Uncharted Lost Legacy or something like that, where it is a standalone game, but it's not the proper sequel to Spider-Man. It's like an interstitial kind of. You know, an interstitial kind of smaller game that goes in between Spider-Man's 1 and 2. So, I think it is kind of technically its own game, but I get what you mean. It's not it's not like the sequel to Spider-Man, the big, you know, whole thing. But other than that, I definitely agree with you about the whole point of, you know, timed exclusives not being console exclusives. I, I mean, I think I think they achieve exactly what it sounds like they achieve, which is, you know, something better than a third a third party and and something not as good as a full exclusive, which is what the timed exclusive is. I mean, I I know I know what you mean you know a timed exclusive is not a, a console exclusive but games do sell most of their units you know in their first launch generally speaking so for a game to be a timed exclusive means that for the most part the public is going to associate that game with the console it launched on for its timed exclusivity and it's going to sell the most units it's ever going to sell in its first release. So to some extent it does make a difference, but, but I agree with you. It's not uh, from the, from the standpoint of like a fan, it's not as impressive to see a bunch of timed exclusives. And I know that's a lot of what we did see at this event, which I, I agree. It's like a little like, okay, but again, the, the big deal here is game pass. It's that, it's that, it, you know, it's, it's like the, the, the allure and the opportunity and the advantage of game pass is so great that sometimes it can be better than having a console exclusive. And what I mean by that is, sure, you might be like, oh, well, this game is a timed exclusive. It's not only on Xbox. I'll just play on my PS5 and buy a PS5. It's it's more about being like, wow, all these games look great. And yeah, I could just play them on my PS5. Or I could buy an Xbox Series X and then just have Game Pass and then never buy any of these games and just have them all under my subscription service. And that's a really enticing deal. And so I think not only having these games timed exclusive on your console, but also having them more affordable and more accessible via Game Pass also makes your platform more, you know, 
more enticing. And so again, uh, it, I always I always bring up framing and how we need to frame things. I think the thing with Xbox is, I mean, of course, there are the exclusives which are supposed to sell the console or sell the platform rather, but just as much as like Halo and Gears of War and Forza are supposed to sell you on Xbox because that's where they those those games exist. I think Game Pass is supposed to sell you on third parties because would you rather spend, you know, would you rather find three games at this event you're interested in and then spend $60 on each one of them? Or would you rather just have a Game Pass subscription where you're already playing a bunch of other games anyway, and then just have those three games naturally come into Game Pass as they release, which is a huge advantage. So it's not as sexy and flashy to be like, here's a third party game and here's a third party game. And here's a game that's also on PlayStation and be like, but they're all on game pass. So there's your advantage. That's not as sexy as like, here's an Xbox exclusive game that you can't play anywhere else. And another one and another one. I, I agree, but it is a huge win. And I think it really does entice the more casual user. Once game pass really gets to a point where it's more synonymous, you know, once people know what game pass is the way people know what Xbox live is, I think, it's really going to be a massive advantage to be like, yeah, this game might not be console exclusive, but guess what? It is on Game Pass, so go ahead and buy it for 60 bucks on your PlayStation or just, you know, play it for free on your Xbox. So that is a massive win, and I think that's the kind of overarching message that, if anything, I kind of didn't touch on enough last week, which is that Microsoft gets to say all these games are in Game Pass. So if you're, if you're looking at the event like... This is a lot of games that I'm interested in mildly, but I wouldn't necessarily buy them all. Well, then the big win here is that you can play them all for free. You don't have to buy them all. You don't have to pick and choose which ones look like they're worth your time. And as we all know from experience, I know we've all experienced this thanks to Game Pass. We're all playing games these days that we wouldn't have normally you know, given a chance because you'd go, Oh, that, that looks mildly interesting, but I don't know if I want to spend the money on it or like, I would never play that because I'm not going to spend 20 bucks to find out. I already hate this genre that I've traditionally always hated, but then thanks to game pass, we've all kind of gotten out of our comfort zone. And Phil Spencer has talked about how people are getting out of their comfort zone and playing things they wouldn't normally play. And that's all thanks to game pass. And you know, me coming onto the show all the time and talking about how much I love Yakuza now is a testament to that, right? Because I'm, I, I used to always make, I mean, I still make fun of all the time, like the Japanese games and the little weeby ass games and shit like that. Well, Yakuza is a pretty fucking Japanese weeby ass game in a lot of ways. And it's kind of indicative of a lot of things I've made fun of in the past. And currently it's one of my favorite video game franchises that, you know, up until very recently I knew nothing about. And that's all thanks to Game Pass. I've now beaten two of them and another one's about to come out this upcoming week and I can't wait to give it a try. And that's all thanks to Game Pass. So even though this this, this conference might have not been, you know, a bunch of Halo tier announcements, there are a bunch of games in this in this showcase that a lot of people would never would normally never give a second thought and are now going to fall in love with these games because they're going to give them a try because they're all on Game Pass day one, and that's going to sell a lot of people on these new these new games, these new franchises, and over time, that's what's going to build the brand of the Xbox and, and build the brand of Game Pass is that you find new things you wouldn't normally like, and they become your new shit. It's, it's like the way we watch Netflix. You know, you're bored, you scroll through Netflix, you give something a try because, you know, it's like it's not going to cost me anything. It's just a little bit of time. There's no ads. There's no thing I have to buy. I already have Netflix, and I don't know. I think that's that's the big focus here, but I understand that there's something kind of not so flashy about about 
times exclusives and third party games, but Game Pass really is the the kind of through line that ties it all together, so to speak. So, and then we got my brother comes in with the whole Halo Infinite looks perfect. My only concern is how they handle the story from Five. I love Five, and the plot really needs a conclusion. Otherwise, the game just looks like it hit every note perfectly. I've watched the end of the gameplay with the brute war master a million times because it's chilling. The whole show was amazing and absolute. Uh, and absolutely was the star. The graphics in Infinite look amazing. You can take a, you can take screen grabs of anything and make it look bad. Watch the gameplay again and pay attention to the lighting effects on the gun and the way that everything moves and looks. The game is by far the best looking Halo. I kind of missed the 343 art style, but this still looks like Halo and I'm super pleased. So yeah, I agree. I also would like to see them not kind of abandon Halo 5 as it seems like they're doing. But I know, as, as I know you know, the mass majority of people don't give a shit because because fans are fucking fake as shit and they don't really care about the integrity of of the story and the universe the artist is trying to build they just want to be pandered to we have if there's anything that halo and star wars and all that shit has taught me in recent history it's that fans do not want groundbreaking storytelling and boundary pushing world building they want to be pandered to they want to be patted on the tummy and fed warm milk and cookies and just have the same shit like mama bird thrown up into their mouth over and over and over again. They want to watch that goddamn Death Star get blown up every fucking Star Wars movie. They don't want to see Han Solo get betrayed by a father figure. They just want Han Solo the movie to be like an hour and a half of whatever Han Solo is doing and then just randomly end in a death scene battle with, Dar- with a Death Star battle or run with, with Darth Vader. They don't want to see Master Chief uh, watch, you know, his, his only companion turn evil and kind of take control of these intergalactic like guardians that that control nation that control planets and and and, ha- and basically police over the universe and kind of see what that grand story evolves into they just want to see master chief in a warthog driving away on a halo ring as it explodes and goes pew pew and then goes ah oh, master chief i don't say a lot of words and then marty o'donnell plays and then everyone claps and says oh, i love halo i'm a real halo fan because it does the same thing every time I know I like to drive that that point hard because it just frustrates me to to no end that people can't find any capacity in their tiny little hearts and their tiny little brains to let creatives just create new shit. But we got to understand that this is coming from the perspective, or this is this is coming this decision comes from a place of, you know, Halo is the Xbox. We need Halo to drive the Xbox forward. We need people to care about Halo and to take it seriously again. What can we do to make people love Halo again? And so they've, I don't want to say backtrack because it almost makes it seem like Halo Infinite isn't a step forward and isn't, you know, a cool new thing because I think it is, but it, it's it's definitely 343 trying to please people, which is really unfortunate because even though they try to please people, people are still pissed off, which is pretty predictable. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll disagree with you on, on the point about the graphics because I don't think the graphics look amazing. And yeah, I agree that, you know, you can grab, you can do screen grabs of anything and try to twist it to make it look bad. But this game doesn't particularly look amazing. It, it looks good. I don't think it looks bad. It just doesn't look great. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's the best looking Halo by any stretch of the imagination. I think Halo 5 is the most, you know, visually stunning uh, Halo game from a graphical standpoint, but you do make a good point by bringing up the 343 art style because I think that kind of gets lost in this whole graphic comparison thing because Halo 4, remember, Halo 4 was like the, how the fuck is this running on Xbox 360 kind of swan song for that console. I remember, like, you play Halo 4 on the Master Chief Collection today 
And you'll swear that was always an Xbox One game. It looks so goddamn good. And then Halo 5 also looks phenomenal. And I think you make a really important point here, which is that that's not entirely the graphics. That's also 343's art style. 343 massively overhauled the artistic design of the Halo universe. And I love what they did with it. I think Halos 4 and 5 look amazing. I think it looks like a natural evolution of Halo. I love the way these games look. And I'm really sad to see them kind of tone it back and, and go back to what Halos 1, 2, and 3 looked like. But I think that's a that's another really important aspect of this graphics comparison. Halo 4 and 5 look so good, not only because they are graphically impressive, but and because, you know, they're smaller games, so they're easier to hi- have a higher graphical fidelity. But it's the art style that 343 implemented in those games that helps really elevate the graphics and and the kind of visual appeal of those games. And, you know, the old Halos don't really have a super complex uh, art style in terms of, like, the amount of detail and everything. So, yeah, some guns look a little less, you know, detailed and fleshed out, and some armor sets and things like that look a little more stale and plastic and kind of generic. But that's because that's kind of what that stuff looked like a little more in, like, Halo 2 and Halo 1 is it was a little more basic looking in terms of not just graphics, but the art style. So I think a lot of what, what we're seeing here with the graphics, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to give 343 too much of a pass here. The game does not look visually stunning. I'm I, like, it has some graphical work to do to get there. And I think they'll get there. And I think that RTX update will get it, will help get it there. Also, it's them kind of, like leaving their 343 art style in the trash and trying to go back to the Bungie art style a little bit, I think that also plays into why the game doesn't look as impressive because simply put, Halos 4 and 5 had a more dynamic and impressive art style than Halo Infinite. And that's just... That's just what it is, but you know they're trying to please they're trying to please the people that like the Death Star run and the Darth Vader fight scene. So they had to go back to the old thing instead of trying something new. So and then Sarugi says regarding the 12 month Xbox Live Gold subscription disappearing, there was talks that Microsoft are actually looking to do away with the paid multiplayer gold altogether. The logic being that they are trying to create one ecosystem with Xbox and PC. It is not all consumer friendly to have a. PC multiplayer being free while Xbox have to pay online. That's a good point. You're trying to sell a game pass here, but if, if, if you keep people divided on who can play online and who can't, then, you know, that's, that's an interesting point, but uh, yeah, I think, I think the ultimate idea is to kind of fold everyone into game pass ultimate and get rid of Xbox live gold. And that is a good point. You know, if, if, if Xbox is PC and your home console, why do you have to pay for internet on one, but on the other? So interesting point I hadn't considered. Now, our last comment is from lethal migraine. Dear Lethal Migraine, who says, I'll go with the, the I'll go game by game with you. So we'll we'll run through this really fast. But he says, one, Halo. I don't know what to think. It's a game. It's really it really didn't do anything for me. I expected more uh, from something that's been development for five years. And, and just a little pin in that. Remember, they built the slip space engine during those five years too. People keep saying that. They didn't just build Halo Infinite over the past five years. They also built a new engine. So there's been it's been more than that. They've rewritten the universe. They've they've gone back to the drawing board. There's a lot of things they had to redo, a new engine they had to build, a new console they had to work on. It's not just, you know, five years of nothing but Halo Infinite, but I see your point. It's to some point extent it's taken. Two state of decay three. People seem to like those games, but it's all is that all this dev is ever going to make? Both games are very janky. Hopefully this one is complete with smooth frame rates when it launches. I agree. I, I would like to see State of Decay 3 really evolve the franchise, or I'd like to see Undead Labs do something else. 3. Forza. Forza looks like Forza. They haven't had a game in three years. It's an early development, so what the hell they've been doing for three years? Why is Dirt 5 120 FPS, but Forza is only 60 FPS? I need an explanation from Turn 10. First party devs should be using their tech to the fullest. I'm confused by this game. 
I actually agree with that a lot, but I think it's because, you know, like I said, Forza is turning into a platform, not a game. But I, I still kind of agree with what you're saying here, which is like, what the fuck do you mean early development? They haven't gotten a few years. What What is happening here? Everwild, number four, it took... It looks beautiful, but what is it? They still haven't said what the game actually is. Exactly what you said. And, yep, I'll leave it at that. I, I just don't understand why they won't... Why they keep showing it if they're not going to talk about what it is. Five, tell me why. I just can't do episodic. Something about episodic bothers me. I want full games. I want to be sure it will be decent. I just don't care. Fair enough. Six, Ori upgrade. Not sure if this was... Not sure that this was... What this was a part of should have been in the pre-show or on the Xbox Wire. I agree completely. Seven, Outer Worlds DLC has no business being here. Another Xbox Wire thing. Eh, I agree to disagree on that one. It's I, I see why they did it. Eight, Grounded. Didn't need to be there either. Xbox Wire again. Agree. Nine, Avowed. It looks... The world looks good, but to me personally, I didn't care about Skyrim type of games. I'll try Vowed, though. It'll be on Game Pass, so why not? That's pretty much how I feel, but uh, I, there's a little bit of a fanboy bias towards the first-party exclusivity part of it, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. Uh, 10, As Dusk Falls. I'm not entirely sure what it is, but I did like the art style of the trailer. Yeah, I'm excited to see more about that one. 11, Hellblade 2. What was the point of this? I don't give a shit that the game is set in Iceland. This shouldn't be there at all. I agree completely. 12, Psychonauts 2, Jack Black singing is always a winner. Of course it is. I never played with the first one, um, but I will try it out since, like everything in this whole uh, stream, it'll be on Game Pass. And just as a side note, for whatever reason, Psychonauts 1 was free last night on Xbox Live. I don't know if that was a glitch or what. I downloaded it. I just stumbled upon it and I saw that. But to all of you, I don't know if it's still on there for free, but check that out if you haven't already. Psychonauts, the Xbox original, is, is like just free on the Xbox Store. Hopefully it's still free. I don't know. Uh, you say 13, Destiny 2, unless they're buying Bungie again. This didn't need to be there. Another Xbox Wire thing. I don't know. That was kind of a big deal. I, I, I'm I kind of in favor of showing that one. 14, Stalker 2, not a survival horror person, but hey, it's on Game Pass. I'm pretty excited about Stalker 2. The more I, the more I think about that one, the more I, I can't wait to try it. 15, Warhammer, not my cup of tea. People like them. Um, as there are a ton of them, it will go unplayed by me. I agree with you on that. 16, Tetris, no reason to be here. Pre-show or Xbox Wire would be uh, more fitting. Um, I agree, but Tetris Effect, for whatever reason, apparently is really, really popular. So, I don't know, maybe this speaks to a different audience, but yeah, at least it was something different. 17, the gunk. You get to vacuum gunk. No thanks. <laughs> okay. 18, the medium. I like the idea of this game. Not a horror fan, but we'll give it a try. Edit, I am a, I'm a fray rate snob, so the medium only being 30 FPS, I'm not playing it. Well, but consider that it's rendering the game basically twice at the same time, so it's pretty cool, but okay. 19, Fantasy Store Online 2. Another Xbox Wire thing. Not sure why it's here. It's out. Game Pass Ultimate gives us free stuff monthly. I'm surprised you don't make fun of it for, not, for being one of those weird Japanese anime kitty games. Absolutely right. It is one of those weird Japanese kitty games, but I'm, I'm just arbitrarily like it because it reminds me of Sega and I like Sega. But yeah, I think the reason why they show that off is because Xbox is one, really desperate to have Japanese content on their console. And two, because it's only on Xbox in the West right now, they really got to drive that point home to kind of make it seem like Xbox has some Japanese stuff going for it. And so they really got to play into that while they have it. And 20, you say Crossfire X multiplayer is pretty fun. I enjoy the beta anyway. Certainly going to play the campaign. I agree. It looks great. 21, Fable. It's been dead since 2008. It needs to stay that way. I've never been a fan. This is something I'll have to see a lot of gameplay of before I bother trying it. That one I hard disagree on. I'm really excited to see Fable. And I think Fable is an absolutely great idea that the vast majority of Xbox fans are really excited about. I only wish that they actually showed gameplay. Um, then you say... 
Phil and the Xbox team have no idea how to ma- how to market the Series X. They have made that much clear. Another stream with almost no gameplay. 120,000 or so employees at Microsoft. Someone should be able to put together a gameplay video. After that show, I feel like I'm Charlie Brown and Xbox is Lucy. And every time I'm about to kick the football, they pull it away. That's a I like that kind of analogy. That's actually funny. Edit 2, apparently Halo wasn't even on a Series X. They used a PC, according to IGN, so pre-orders will likely start next month, and we haven't even seen a single second of gameplay from the Series X machine. That is a very fair criticism that I'm really hoping they address in this August event, but who fucking knows at this point? They still haven't announced a price or release date, so for all we know, the Xbox Series X is still just a, a joke. Maybe they've never made one. Maybe it's a, Maybe it's just a rumor from some terrorist organization and uh i don't know maybe just uh, maybe sony made up the series x to help make the playstation 5 look better so they could sell more playstation 5s to those ponies i don't don't fucking know but that's going to do it for all of our comments questions shouts concerns this was an hour of the show guys we uh this is why i say if you can please try to keep the questions a little shorter and more concise again i'm not going to enforce anything i'm i'm behaving like the u.s government where i don't do shit but i i also am asking you so I don't know, whatever, if that's good for anything. But now I'm going to tell you what I've been playing. But before I can tell you what I've been playing, I've got to tell you, I just I just got to get it off my get, get it off my chest, what I've been eating, which is, one, the Papadilla from Papa John's. Now, for I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but for those who are unfamiliar, the Papadilla is supposed to, obviously, it's a play on the quesadilla, you know, the quesadilla being the tortilla with, like, all the, the shit in between it. It's like, a, you know, it's like a Mexican thing. You get, like, steak and onions and peppers and all that shit. It's it's more of, a little bit more of, like, a Tex-Mex thing, but whatever. You know, we all know what the quesadilla is. Uh, the papadilla is kind of a sham because it's really just pizza dough with a bunch of pizza toppings shoved in the middle. If anything, it's more of, like, a sham of like the calzone i guess but it's it's really not a quesadilla i just don't i just don't get it i just don't buy that it's a quesadilla so i take umbrage with the name but the 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 main item itself is actually pretty delicious i'm gonna have to recommend that to you if you're a papa john's fan go ahead get that coupon for a free papadilla with the purchase of 20 dollars or more go ahead and uh and try that shit out and then the other thing i've been eating this week is uh some food and wine over at uh disney's Epcot theme park here in Florida. And so they're doing their fall festival beginning in midsummer, running through the fall. I don't know why, but they set up food booths from around the world, all over the park. And you go and you try different little plates, different flavors from around the world. And there's some very delicious stuff to be tried. You go to Canada, you get a little bit of this. You go to the UK, you get a little bit of this. You go to Brazil, you get you get a little bit of this. You go to China, you get a little bit of this. And it's it's great. We had a I had a I had a I went to Japan and I got these uh, mizu sticky wings. I, I got some I got some. Uh, some sushi in a little planter pot. It was a salmon chirashidan. It was very delicious. There's a lot of Japanese food uh, that I try. There's a lot of um, mac and cheese variants I tried. I tried a lobster mac and cheese that just tasted like a seafood boil with a little bit of mac and cheese. Uh, there's this uh, mushroom something truffle steak thing I had. But it's a wonderful food event because you just get to try little plates of food from various nations, and it's all so delicious. It's a very, very fun event. A little bit on the expensive side, but it's nice that they just have such a mass variety of, of small plates and drinks 
from all over the world that you can just go around and try and get fat off all day. And uh, had a nice had a nice Saturday doing a little bit of that this past weekend. But that's what I've been eating, just uh, some theme park food and some pizza. So I basic, basically could have summed this up by saying, same old, same old. Now, I will tell you what I've been playing. I, I wrapped up Halo Combat Evolved as I tried to do my new run-through of the Halo games. Uh, and then my, my brother and I kind of teamed up, and now we're kind of co-oping. Uh, we're, we're co-op campaigning some of these Halo games. We're running through the Master Chief Collection. Uh, so we sat down like all, in like two sittings and beat Halo 2, and then we did most of Halo 3. So we're at the tail end of Halo 3 now. We're gonna we're gonna do some ODST. I'm gonna skip Reach because I did that one a few months ago, and then we're gonna jump into four and five. I'm really enjoying my kind of my annual playthrough of the Halo games. I'm I'm doing it at a faster rate than I normally do, and so it's kind of weird just jumping right in from one to the other. I don't think I've ever ever really played the Halo games like this, so it's 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 odd kind of seeing you know that immediately like jarring jump between what made each Halo game different. But I mean, not much to say here other than Halo is just the best franchise ever. These games are just so fucking replayable. Don't care what other people have to say. Don't really care what you think about Halo Infinite. Don't really care what people said about Halo 5 or Halo 4. I just love them all. They're all just so goddamn good. Halo is just my thing. It's really hard for me to be displeased with Halo. And uh, so I've been having a really good time playing that. Uh, I tried Grounded a little bit last night. I only got into like an hour of it before I knocked out because I'm tired all the time because my job is uh, a job that thinks that you should wake up at the same time that I don't know, screaming children should wake up in the middle of the night to be breastfed or padded back to sleep. I don't know. So I, I, I fell asleep. I tried to play Grounded. It looks good. It looks good. I just um, didn't really play enough of it to have an opinion on it. And then I've been playing a little bit of Cars 3 Driven to Win. It's uh, I'm, I'm in this phase where I'm trying to like get all the third-party games that I have on my Switch kind of like repurchased on my Xbox because I'm, I'm just in this thing now where I just do not play anything other than my Xbox for the most part. I'm becoming a bit of an old man in that way. And yeah, Cars 3, a game I loved very much from three years ago that came out multi-platform. I, I bought it on Xbox because it was on sale this week for 10 bucks. I'm kind of enjoying just going through, getting all the collectibles and unlocks and the achievements again. Since I already did everything on the Switch version, I'm just kind of redoing it all on the Xbox One. The graphics are a little bit better on there. It's a very fun game. I'm a weird person. I don't deserve to have a video game podcast because... With opinions like mine, you just don't deserve to talk about video games, but I, I find Cars 3 Driven to Win to be a more fun arcade racer than Mario Kart. I know Mario Kart's like a kart racer, and Cars 3 is a little more of like an arcade racer, but they do have some overlap in terms of like its its core demographic and its core audience and everything, and I just find Cars 3 to be a more fun game. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just Mario Kart outed, Mario Karted out, because I just played so much Mario Kart over time, but... I don't know. I've just I I poured so many hours into this Cars game. I'm ready to do it again on my Xbox. I put like 60 hours into it on my Switch, and I'm just I'm just ready to do another 60 hours of Cars 3. Man, it's just such a fun game for whatever reason. I don't know. If 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 you guys don't believe me, then uh, you can either download the game and try it for yourself, which you won't do because I know people don't like Cars, or you can uh, suck an egg. But I love Avalanche Software, the studio behind the game. I love Cars. I love this game. It's just a really nice, like painfully obviously double a like movie license game that lacks a lot of polish that's just still so much fun to play and i uh i'm, I'm having a fun time playing as like a junk food game in my in my in my downtime my free time all right with that all said we are going to finally transition over to the news a bit of a slow news week as you can imagine coming off the heels of last week's event uh but we will make the most of it and try to have an enjoyable conversation let's jump into that all right, our first story here is about Halo Infinite. Speaking of of uh, the hotly anticipated best game of the year 
game of 2020. Back when Halo Infinite was announced in 2018, 343 Industries promised a test flight program, similar to the one found on the Master Chief Collection, that would allow some users an early access chance to play the game and offer feedback from test gameplay sessions. Well, thanks to COVID, this likely isn't happening anymore. In an update found on the Halo Waypoint blog, studio head Chris Lee mentioned that the beta program for Infinite had been changed due to unforeseen circumstances surrounding COVID. He says, quote, With Halo Infinite, we, we are also committed to building the game in partnership with our community, but given the unprecedented challenges of this year, we're not quite where we expected to be in terms of the broader public flighting. Lee's statement reads, While not the full program we had envisioned, we have been working very closely with the community on nearly every facet of the project. With that said, the team is still hoping to have an alter have alternative with that said, the team is still hoping to have alternative hands-on opportunities to take place before the game launches this holiday season. The game will have a community flight once the game releases, as mentioned on the blog post. Quote, the process doesn't stop with launch. In fact, in many ways, the feedback community flighting will be even more important to us after the launch as we partner together with the to continually evolve and update the game in the future. So obviously, that's a very important aspect of the game just for the sense that Halo Infinite is supposed to be the platform that ushers Halo into into the next 10 years of Xbox as you know we're supposed to see Halo Infinite be kind of a base game with its multiplayer component and then we'll see them add new campaigns and new stories and new content into the game over time not so much like a games as a service like Destiny but more like a I don't know more like Master Chief Collection with just added shit over time I guess um, just because you know, if everyone's playing a game through Game Pass, it just makes more sense to have Halo Infinite and have that be the hub for all your new Halo stuff rather than just downloading Halo 6, Halo 7, Halo 8, Halo, blah, 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 blah. you know, it just it makes sense. So I understand the need for this, but it's just really fucking disappointing. I understand that COVID is, is the culprit here. I don't doubt that. I don't think that's an excuse or a lie. I'm sure working from home has really put a wrench in 343s. I'll put it this way. I'm sure that, you know, even before COVID, you know, let's let's go back in time to February when we when we all thought that we would be spending this summer not wearing masks, running around theme parks, eating cotton candy off the bottom of public benches and and running around with our friends frolicking in the sun, sweating and and wiping our asses with our hands and then and then rubbing our noses with it and all that germy shit we used to do. Back in those days, I'm sure 343 was still like sweating bullets saying, oh my God, this is a huge project. How are we going to get this done in time for this holiday season to launch with the Series X? So I, I, I'm very confident that that's all, that already was supposed to be like a big feat to have this game completely ready to go this holiday season. And then you add COVID on top of that and you break up the team and have everyone work from home and figure out how to get this game finished while everyone's separated from this new work environment. And that really makes things just extra fucking hard. That's why to a certain extent people complain about like the graphics and things about that on Halo Infinite. I attribute part of that blame to COVID because I'm like... There are just some things here that are just, you know, there are some deadlines that aren't going to be met. There are some some things that were supposed to be ready at launch that just are going to have to be patched in later or added later. If this game has to be out at the end of the year for the launch of the Series X, which I think it has to be, I just don't think they're going to be able to deliver 100% what they thought they were going to deliver before work from home and COVID and all that shit happened. So this makes sense to me that you know, something has to give. We don't have time to do the test flight and get feedback and work on that feedback. Let's just go full steam ahead, all hands on deck on what we have here, what our vision is, and try to internally test and flight this game. 
and just release it in the best state we can possibly do, kind of like the way people used to make video games before the past 10 years happened. And then from there, we can have, you know, the audience kind of engage with the game once it's out and we'll go back and, you know, fix things because this is going to be a game that exists as a platform for many years to come and we'll have lots of additions and tweaks and modifications had to it over the years. So I get that. It's just still really disappointing because... I mean, this is this is like a staple of Halo. Like, you think about Halo 3, this was a huge point of it. Halo 5 had it. Halo games have this. The multiplayer betas, the kind of test flights, the opportunities for the audience to get a taste of what this game is before it comes out. And this is important stuff. Like, Halo 5's multiplayer was greatly impacted by the feedback they got from their multiplayer beta that happened a full year before the game ever even came out. So the fact that, like, we're just this close to launch, like, this game is you know, almost definitely without an actual release date being confirmed, almost definitely coming out in November. And so, you know, we're just like, what, four months away, August is three, four months away from this game's launch. And we haven't even seen the multiplayer, let alone gotten a chance to try anything. It's like, clearly they're just having to go, you know, they're having to close some doors, go full steam ahead, keep their heads down, just work really hard on this. That's why I think, you know, we got, that's why I believe the rumors that we got a super old build of the game when we saw that demo last week, because it's like, do they really have the time right now to put together a new demo, a new gameplay demo on a new build for this game? It's like, they're just trying to get this fucking game done. They don't have time for this. So yeah, just show an old gameplay build from like maybe almost a year ago by the time the game comes out. But oh well, you know, we got to get this game done. We got to focus on the final product right now more than anything. And every second is precious in a time like now. So that's my guess. Um, but this is a pretty disappointing thing. Yeah, there will be opportunities for people to, for community, for the community to kind of impact the game and get feedback and, and have things fixed and altered and changed. But it seems like we're really probably just not going to play Halo Infinite until it's out. I'm really not confident that we're getting any kind of multiplayer beta whatsoever. I think that, you know, probably in one or two months, we'll see the multiplayer reveal for the game. And then we'll probably get another trailer or two uh, closer to the game's launch. And then that's pretty much it. I think the game's just going to come out at some point you know we're gonna get a look at the multiplayer a comp or comprehensive look at the multiplayer another gameplay trailer or demo here or there and then the game's just gonna hit shelves and we're gonna have to just go with it from there and for better or for worse i think that's what's happening i know a lot of people want this game to get delayed so that they can really take their time i'm also sensing a lot of like this game isn't fully ready please just keep it in the oven a little bit longer but i understand the need to get it out the door in time for the launch and with the way games work these days where you can kind of launch something without a couple features and add them in as you go and tweak things with patches and such i understand it's like that's just how games work these days i'm not necessarily a fan of that but I'm just trying to be realistic. That's probably what's happening here. So that's where we are. If you were hoping to get an early peek at Halo Infinite, it's probably not happening. At this point, I just say, you know, hang on for that multiplayer reveal and we'll get the game when we get the game. And that's just kind of it. But they'll, they'll work on it a lot over time. I have a feeling it's going to be definitely one of those games where like if you play the game of shit ton this holiday season and then you jump in just just wait till the end of 2021 wait until holiday season 2021 when all the youtubers are doing their cash grab videos where they're just like halo infinite 12 months later halo infinite at launch was a pretty divisive game blah 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 i have a small penis and here's what the game looks like 12 months later and then they'll do the whole retrospective on the game and everything like that just wait till those videos come out in like in like 15 months because you'll you'll see this this game is going to continuously be worked on iterated on updated constantly over the next like handful of years so what we get this december or this november or whatever is just not going to be the final build although i also understand you shouldn't launch a game until you're absolutely ready to launch a game but this just is what it is and uh i'm 
I'm, hey, I'm not making the game. I'm just a messenger, so don't shoot me. Our next story here, keeping with Halo, is that 343 Industries has confirmed that Halo Infinite's campaign will indeed support two-player local split screen uh, and up to four-player online multiplayer, uh, and that is in campaign. Jerry Hook, head of design at 343 Industries, took to Twitter to clarify that while Halo Infinite will support four-player split screen co-op online, those who play locally will only be able to do so with one additional person. So I'm totally fine with this. I have no issue with this. And of course, this is 343 making good on a promise they said back in Halo 5 days again. Remember, Halo 5 came out. A lot of people were very somewhat understandably upset that Halo 5... Um, didn't have local multiplayer as you know a staple of the series and they promised bonnie ross at the time promised that this is going to be addressed uh at, you know at, later on and then um and then here we go and they they did just that um so i don't know the, to me the main takeaway from this story is that if you're going to complain about you know halo infinite and not looking so great it's like keep this in mind this is a this is a massive open world game that runs at 60 fps and they have to be able to run that all in split screen mode. So I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not a I'm not a fidelity geek. I don't know a lot of things, but I'm, to my knowledge, or maybe this hasn't been announced yet, they're not gonna. It's not gonna be like when you play split screen, it will lock, it will drop down to 30 fps. Like to my knowledge, they'll be able to play this 60 fps split screen, essentially rendering the game twice for each player, and that's a that's an impressive feat to be able to run this game. In on split screen, you know, two open world games, two massively open world uh, versions of the game or of the whatever rendered, and just have it in split screen, keeping a solid 60 FPS. Like that's an impressive feat. That I, I I hate to say it if you know if you don't want to, or I don't hate to say it, but like keep in mind that's that sounds like a pretty next generation feature in my opinion. You know, 60 FPS, massive open world, split screen co op. Like what? How do you do that? So. While you're out there talking about how the game looks like ass from a graphical fidelity standpoint, keep in mind it's like I don't I don't know. Last I checked, you can't go into Skyrim or Red Dead Redemption and and play split screen co op campaign running at 60 FPS. Like that sounds like a pretty next generation feature to me. And I, I know this comes off as a little bit of like a Halo defender or an Xbox defender, and that's fine if you feel that way, if or if you think that's what I'm doing here. But like I don't I don't know. I've just never heard of a big open world game that runs at 60 FPS and ha and supports local co-op campaign. Like that's a, that's a big technical feat. And I feel like no one's really commenting on that or, or bringing that, that detail to light. And so again, you know, I'm not, as, as you know, I'm not a big, you know, tech person. I don't know too much about the kind of nerdy uh, behind the scenes stuff or the fidelity stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm not too versed in those things, but I, from from my from my tiny brain comprehension, from my tiny brain understanding of how these things work, that's a pretty impressive feat. And I just feel like I don't know. I just feel like the game can't look like a fucking visual masterpiece if it's trying to do co-op campaign split screen 60 FPS in a giant open world game. And and, and remember, 343 was trying to drop the co-op campaign. Y'all were the ones bitching about how this had to be in the game. So if you got an issue with this, remember you're the ones who asked for it. So this is what you get when you don't let the creators create their thing. This is what you get when you constantly say, no, no creative forces. Your job is to give me what I want. I mean, like, so, I mean, remember, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe if if they didn't have to do a local co-op version of this game, they'd be able to to make the game look more visually impressive. I don't fucking know. Uh, I'm just, I'm just spitballing, I guess. But 
I don't know. To me, I feel like that's a, that's a feature of this game that's that's kind of going underreported in terms of how impressive that is. But what do I know? Our next story here is from IGN, and it says that a Doritos bag may have leaked the logo and name for the next Call of Duty game, revealing what the new entry will be called, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. As reported by ModernWarZone.com, uh, the gaming revolution received a DM on Twitter that showcased uh, the new double XP promotion that could be 2020's Call of Duty game that we have yet to hear about. The tweet reads, quote, these are two Doritos double XP promotional images that I saw DM'd earlier from an anonymous source uh, for Call of Duty Black Black Ops Cold War. Uh, I was too worried about copyright issues to post them earlier, but since but since Charlie Intel shared them, I assume they're safe. And it's a, a little close-up screen grab of these Doritos bags that just say... Call of Duty Black Ops, Cold War, Unlock Double XP, log into Doritos.com uh, slash Call of Duty, and it has like the steps. Like if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen any of these uh, Doritos bag leak things, yeah, it looks like any of them. It, like anytime you see those Mountain Dew or Doritos, like Call of Duty promotional double XP things, it looks exactly like one of those. Um, and the story continues saying, furthermore, it states that the promotional the pr- promotion will begin October 5th, 2020, possibly hinting that the Black Ops Cold War game could be released in late October. That is, if last year's Call of Duty Modern Warfare is any indication. Modern Warfare had a similar double XP promotion that began on October 1st, 2019, and the game was officially released October 25th, 2019. Additionally, there have been some leaks of the game called The Red Door that may have been an alpha test uh, for this later Call of Duty. The description for The Red Door is as follows. There's more than one truth. If you go looking for answers, be ready to question everything and accept that nothing will ever be the same. The Red Door awaits. Do you dare to step through it? So before we can jump into the story, I think it begs the question, or it reminds me to beg the question, how the fuck is it almost August and we still don't know what this year's Call of Duty is? Keep in mind, Call of Duty games always come out in November. Or they used to, Sometimes they used to come out in September, but now they always come out in October or November. Generally November, but sometimes October. So we're like, so we're like two or three months away from the release of this game and we still don't fucking know what it is. We haven't seen it. We don't have a gameplay reveal. We don't have a name for it. Like, what the fuck is happening here? It almost makes me wonder if if this new Call of Duty is like, we're doubling down on the multiplayer for Call of Duty Modern Warfare and the, and the Warzone Battle Royale mode, but the game itself is just a campaign. But it's like, why would you do that? Call of Duty sells like crack every year, and it's because the mass majority of people play you know, the multiplayer. So it's like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't make just a campaign because if you were doing just a campaign, yeah, you could do a shorter like announcement to release cycle. But like Call of Duty is normally like, it's just such a, a carefully um, planned out kind of thing where every year it's the same thing. You know, you get the announcement around April or May and you get the reveals around E3 with additional footage. And then sometime in late summer, you get like a beta for, for like a weekend or something. And then the game comes out in October or November. It's been that way for like ever now. And it's just fucking mind-blowing to be like, you know, we're here talking about about Cyberpunk and Halo and all this shit and PS5 and Xbox Series X. And meanwhile, and, and like Nintendo's like over here like saying we don't need to release games and we'll still sell a million copies of Animal Crossing and, and the Switch will always be sold out. And then no one's thinking to ask like, wait, what the fuck is happening with Call of Duty? It's just the weirdest thing ever. It's the biggest game that comes out every year and it, and it's, its release cycle is so predictable it's like fucking clockwork, you know, the whole, like, announcement cycle, gameplay cycle, uh, beta, and then release. That that cycle is so predictable, and we've become so accustomed to it, and now it's just gone. It's like, what the fuck is happening? Like, listen, there's got to be a Call of Duty this year. There's no way there's not a Call of Duty. Activision would have come out by now and said, 
2020 will not have a Call of Duty game. So, so in no way, shape, or form is this like, oh, the game is actually next year's Call of Duty. They're taking a year off. No, because that would have been announced forever ago. We would have learned about that from a shareholders meeting forever ago. They wouldn't be able to keep that under wrap forever. So that's just simply not the answer. There's no doubt there is a Call of Duty game coming out this this fall, come hell or high water, whether it's the best or worst Call of Duty ever game, game ever made. We will see a Call of Duty this fall. So just why the fuck have we not seen it yet? And that's what, like, more so than, like, where's the price and pre-order and release date and all that for Xbox or PlayStation, more so than that, where is Call of Duty? This game is just, it's just mind-blowing. And yeah, I believe these leaks are real. I don't, I'm not here to speculate on whether or not they look fake or not. I, I believe this shit. I believe it's called Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Uh, and we know the stories about internally how it was supposed to be Sledgehammer's turn, and they kind of dropped the ball a little bit, and then um, Treyarch was bumped up a year and kind of tasked with, with salvaging this game that Sledgehammer was working on, and Sledgehammer may have been reduced to like a support team again. And so we've kind of heard the behind-the-scenes rumblings and reports on what's happening here with this game. So we know there's a little bit of a development hell going on. But again, this game's going to come out probably November, I, I would guess. How the hell have we not seen it yet? And where are they going to show it? You know, they missed the chance. Most of those Game Award kind of summer or summer whatever game stuff they've done has come and passed. The Xbox big event has come and passed. The PlayStation event has come and passed already. Like, where are we looking to see this? Is this going to be revealed at this August Xbox event where we might see Xbox Series S? Is this going to be revealed at like another PlayStation event where they're going to talk about the price and release date? Like, where are we going to see this new Call of Duty game? Because... I mean, is Activision going to do their own event? Are they going to just have their own, like, Call of Duty day? Like, I just don't understand what's happening here. It is the biggest game out there. And they just have been so tight-lipped on it. And it's like, Call of Duty is not even a game you got to be secretive about, man. All you got I mean, Call of Duty audience is the Call of Duty audience. All you have to do is just be like, yo, trailer, November 17th, uh, $60, fuck you, give me money. It's another Black Ops game. And then people will buy it. And it'll be the best-selling game of the year. It's Call of Duty. It's so fucking reliable. You don't have to you don't have to be so secretive about it. You don't have to do this. So I wonder what's going on behind the scenes that's really getting into this game and really stopping it from being out and in the open. And it's just mind-boggling that here we are, it's August, and we just don't have Call of Duty yet. So that's fucking crazy. But I mean, we're getting to the point where like August is the month, you know? Like if we don't have pricing and release dates for xbox and playstation by the end of august if we don't have an announcement for call of duty by the end of august then my guess isn't that these things are delayed or aren't coming my guess simply is if that by august 30th or 31st or whatever the last day of august is we don't have these dates these things revealed these prices these pre-orders available simply put microsoft sony and activision probably know that the world is coming to an end and that they don't have to release any of these products because we'll all be dead by December 31st. And that's that's my only alternative theory is that, you know, if Call of Duty just isn't announced sooner or later, they know that the world's ending and that we're all fucking doomed for it and they don't even have to release a new Call of Duty. But I would still like to see that Doritos promotional offer come out because I like me some Doritos. All right, and our next story here is that World of Warcraft Shadowlands has been rated for the Xbox Series X in Brazil. According to a tweet from uh, Gematsu, uh, which spotted a listing taking showing notes that the game is slated to release on both PC and Xbox Series X. Shortly after the discovery was made, Blizzard spoke out to confirm that the listing was indeed an error. 
and that there were no plans for the World of Warcraft uh, console release. The statement reads, quote, We currently have no plans to bring World of Warcraft or Shadowlands to the Xbox Series X, a Blizzard spokesperson told Polygon. Quote, The platform was listed on a Brazil Ministry of Justice rating website in error, and the entry has since been updated to reflect that the game is coming only to PC. End quote. So, I, at first I struggled with whether or not I was even going to put this in the news, but the reason why I'm putting it here is because, one, normally when things like leak and then people try to cover it up but it ends up being real usually it's real if it's something like one of those like oh brazilian ratings board blah 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 almost always we find out that shit's real so that's why i'm like uh, i'm gonna keep it in anyway even though this is like a 50 50 rumor i'm gonna keep it keep it in anyway but i don't know this would be kind of an interesting get right if you had wow on xbox because you're already seeing this thing where xbox and pc are kind of becoming one in the same so i mean i think world of warcraft would be one of the most like PC-friendly games you could put on a console, and it kind of makes sense, right? It's I, I just feel like I feel like World of Warcraft is you know certainly a thing that's waned in popularity and relevance in recent years, although it's still big. You know, it's just not what it was 10, 15 years ago. So if you could give that game kind of a, a new life by not only giving it a new expansion, which is already going to get a lot of eyes and ears on the on the product, but also by introducing it to an entirely new audience by putting it on a home console for the first time ever. Then I think you have a you have a way of spiking interest in this game again in a really significant way. Um, also, it just seems like I don't know. There's something about Warcraft that's like I know I know Blizzard's usually a pretty much like with the exception of like Overwatch and Diablo, they're usually pretty much like fuck console. We're we're a we're a PC only kind of thing. But I, there's just something about like Xbox and World of Warcraft, which is like that just actually sounds like a good match. It kind of sounds like old school Xbox. And, and that's kind of what we're seeing Xbox do is kind of return to their roots and kind of lean into the stuff you might've seen in Xbox back in like the OG Xbox days. So I don't know. This is, this is one that's like, yeah, it's probably not true. It probably was a mistake, but I want to put it out there because there is a chance that this is legit. And I feel like world of Warcraft on Xbox would actually be kind of a, a fitting game to have on this platform. So uh, just out of sheer desire to see this actually come to fruition, I'm just gonna go ahead and put in the note in the in the news cycle here. And uh, if I'm wrong, then well, fuck you. Who cares? So our next story there is that uh, we're coming from IGN. A report has surfaced that claims that Ubisoft is working or was working on a King Arthur fantasy RPG directed by a former Dragon Age creative director, Mike Laidlaw, but ultimately was canceled by Ubisoft's former chief creative officer Serge Hascote. Oh my God. These, these names are so European. I'm not, I'm never going to get them right. Please bear with me. According to a Bloomberg article, Dragon Age's Mike Laylaw was hired to direct and develop, uh, the, uh, the new Ubisoft RPG known as Avalon, a quote, big budget adventure involving a series of King Arthur and his round table, uh, in a sword and sorcery fantasy world of knights and legends End quote. Alas, according to Bloomberg sources familiar with the project, Avalon was canceled by Ubisoft's then chief officer, uh, chief creative officer, uh, Serge Hascoat, who apparently was suspicious of the fantasy genre, telling the team that if it was to be a fantasy game, Avalon had to be better than Tolkien, referring to the hollowed Lord of the Rings franchise. Everyone knows. Uh, the report source, the report sources noted that Avalon was uh, progressing well ahead of its cancellation, and that it had featured a cooperative multiplayer world similar to Capcom's uh, Monster Hunter World series. In an effort to save the project, the setting was reshaped into a science fiction and Greek mythology, um, but then ha Hascote uh, was still willing, 
unwilling to approve it, and it was canceled by 2019, with Laidlaw leaving the company shortly after. This isn't the first story we've heard about um, his involvement in rejecting pitch stories, as last week news came out about him scrapping and minimizing female roles in upcoming Assassin's Creed games, and then we also learned about him resigning from Ubisoft very recently due to sexual misconduct and toxic cultural, sorry, and toxic culture allegations allegations at the company and we also learned that we also know that he was named as playing a central role in the company's cultural problems in a report from the french newspaper liberation so some of that at the end there is a little like um stuff we i kind of skipped over because last week was just such a massive week for news um but yeah this guy was part of that whole sexual misconduct scandal going on at at ubisoft and there was a story last week about how he was apparently like intentionally minimizing or like deterring developers from making more female centric games, which is just kind of in and of itself, such a bullshit thing to say. It's like, because his excuse was that female leads don't sell well or don't do as well as male leads, but it's like, uh, hello, Tomb Raider. Like, what are you fucking talking about? Or like the last of us part two just came out and you play as a female in that game. Like there are massive games with female leads. It's like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, <laughs> Have you ever heard of Horizon Zero Dawn where you play as a female? It's a massively popular game. Have you ever heard of Perfect Dark? It's 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 apparently the new game that the initiative is working on. Like there are plenty of very successful video games with female leads, and it's kind of a bullshit bullshit comment to make and, and really stupid way to hold your game back. Uh, I think what we've seen is that people will play games if the characters are interesting and if the game is cool. And honestly, the gender of the character has and honestly, the, the sex and the gender of the characters has nothing to do with that 100% of the time, it seems, but whatever. So that was kind of the precursor leading up to this story, but now we know that this uh, this supposed, like, King Arthur um, kind of medieval RPG game was canceled. Honestly, I, as much as I don't normally give a shit about games like this, I think this would have been a good fit for Ubisoft. I think this would have been a good way for them to deal with, like, uh, Assassin's Creed-like settings, but also in a way of, like, doing something new. Um, but also it just kind of feels like an Assassin's Creed game. It almost makes me wonder how much of, like, these ideas and influences were kind of somewhat, you know, made in tandem with these newer Assassin's Creed games that are more open-world-esque and more, like, RPG-esque. Um, but, yeah, this is a... This is crazy. Just a lot of news coming out from Ubisoft about some crazy toxic people leaving the leaving the company and then just like some games that are getting canceled and things that are being totally reshaped. That's a company that's dealing with some crazy, crazy shit right now. And it's honestly, honestly mind blowing that <laughs> that they've been able to like just kind of let these stories come out and just really not say much of much of anything at all. Um, but yeah, just Ubisoft's kind of fucked right now. They, they need to figure their shit out and uh, get their get their staffing thing under control. Get rid of all these fucking crazy goons that used to work there <laughs> and then our, our final story or our penultimate story of the of the week it comes from windows central and this is in my opinion the most interesting one of the of the week which is that compulsion games the canadian studio best known for developing we happy few in 2018 uh, they were acquired by microsoft and integrated into xbox game studios but they uh their next project is still a secret and we really don't know what the fuck they're doing other than now knowing that they're expanding as noted by uh Shinobi602 on Twitter. Uh, La Presse has reported that Compulsion is moving from its current office in St. Henry, Montreal, in, uh, to Westmount. This new office has room for up to 120 developers, and while Compulsion has grown from 40 to 60 developers since being acquired, the studio has plans to grow uh, to around 90 developers over the next 18 months. The move is being planned 
to take place in December or in January 2021, as long as it's safe to do so given the ongoing pandemic. Interestingly, Compulsion will be right next to Cloud Chamber, a new Take-Two interactive studio that is working on the next generation Bioshock game. See, I think what's interesting about that with Cloud Chamber is that, you know, Compulsion games already got a little bit of like a Bioshock parallel, uh, just in terms of like the way We Happy Few kind of was introduced and looked. And now they're going to be working or stationed next to the studio that works on Bioshock, the new Bioshock team that's like dedicated to that franchise. So that is an interesting little, little anecdote there that Windows Central points out but other than that this is this is so we obviously compulsion games is working on something microsoft bought them two years ago we know nothing about what they've been up to but now we know that you know they're at least sizing up so this means that they're working on a bigger more ambitious project hopefully this is something we can hear about soon i'm not talking about like a gameplay reveal or anything but just get kind of an idea or a tease of what they have working on because honestly compulsion compulsion is the xbox game studio that i am the most like kind of curious about the the one not the one i'm most excited about i'm definitely always most excited about 343 and right now about the initiative and just there's a lot of other studios i i i like more and i'm just genuinely more excited for but compulsion is a, is a studio where i'm like this acquisition was just such a fucking weird one to begin with because their first game their first game contrast which came out in 2013 just kind of came and went and wasn't really a whole big thing and then we happy few was a game that like really showed well at e3 and then kind of went into early access and then by the time it came out no one really cared about it and it ended up kind of from a gameplay perspective not being really what anyone thought it was it's still a game i really want to get around to but just haven't played yet um but this this studio in general it's like they just haven't had like a series hit yet and they're still a pretty young studio so i just don't know what it is that microsoft saw on these guys that they were like oh yeah we we need to put money down and buy these guys so this is the studio that's like, I don't really know what they can make. I don't really know what they would make. I don't really know what they're up to. And I'm just really, really curious to see what it is they'll do. I wonder if they'll work on kind of an older Xbox IP, a la, you know, Perfect Dark or Fable, where they're going to try to revive something old. Or I wonder if they have something new playing up their sleeves. I'm just really, really curious to see what the fuck Compulsion Games is, because not only do I have no way of kind of speculating or guessing on what they would make, but also they're just such an unproven studio that it's like, okay, well, you already didn't really light the world on fire with the two games you made as a young independent studio, but now you're going to go and, you know, take that Xbox money, that Microsoft money and staff up and become a bigger thing. And it's like, well, what can you do now? Because now, now there's a lot more eyes on you. Now that you're part of Team Xbox, there's a lot more people putting pressure on you and expecting something of you. So I just, I can't wait to see what the fuck these guys are doing. But it's good to know that they're staffing up and it's good to know that they're moving into a bigger office, which is all good news. Um, I really hope that they're working on something, I don't know, that just kind of turns out to be something really interesting, as vague as it sounds. That can literally be anything, but it's nice to just get some kind of update from them because they've now been a part of Xbox for two years and they are the studio we have heard from the least that I think we need to hear from. It's, it's. I mean, we know what everyone else is up to and we've seen what they're up to or we've gotten games from them or they're kind of tied up in some third-party contracts in the case of like Double Fine and Obsidian. But with Compulsion, it's like, we don't know what they were working on before Xbox came along and now we still don't know what they're working on and they ha we happy few came out a few years ago and they've been owned by xbox for a few years and they're just a really unproven studio so it's like what could these guys be doing and i just i don't know i don't think it's been too long i'm not like getting frustrated with them i just am very curious to see 
just what the fuck it is they're working on. And then our final story here comes from IGN, and it is that the Outer Worlds publisher Private Division has announced that it has signed an agreement to publish new games by Moon Studios, the team behind Ori and the Blind Force, as well as Roll7, who made Ali Ali, and League of Greeks uh, developer Armello. Or sorry, developer League of Greeks, uh, who developed Armello. Details about the games are scant. Moon Studios games will be a compelling action RPG, according to this announcement, and League of Geeks will be announcing a new IP... IP and Roll7 will be taking the next jump forward in their mission to create awesome flow state games. Don't expect to be playing any of these games anytime soon. However, uh, none of the studios have formally announced their projects. The first of them won't arrive until parent company take two's uh, fiscal year 2022. So we got a, a while to go. That's probably, uh, I, I assume their fiscal year starts probably next fall or next summer. So that's about a year to a year and a half before you see anything. And then the article finishes up with all the new games are in development and announced that each project will come in the, in the future. No specific platforms have been announced. However, quote developing the Ori series over the last decade had been a fantastic experience from our team. And we're thrilled to be aiming our sights even higher with a new action RPG says moon co-founders, Thomas Mahler and Janity Kroll in a press release. We attribute our success to the, in- iterative polish uh, process because we use moon that we use at moon studios and we're continuing to and we're continuing that style that style of development to create new games and rise above anything we've ever created thus far private division was created by take two as a publishing label for independent developers so far it's published the outer worlds ancestors the humankind odyssey uh disintegration and disintegration as well as publishing kerbal space program so this is really interesting obviously the big one here the big focus here is moon studios um in particular because I, I've been saying I hope Microsoft acquires them. I think they'd be a great like smaller kind of indie team to have um, on Team Xbox, uh, but it looks like that's not going to happen. So this may be it with the Ori series, at least for a long while. Um, but they, uh, they've they got their sights where they're in bed now with uh, Private Division, which is the smaller arm of Take-Two, which, you know, worked with Outer Worlds, which means Obsidian. So there's a little bit of the tie to the Xbox family with that. But it looks like Ori and the Will of the Wisps is kind of like, the 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 pin in that in that you know in that book or the kind of bookmark there in that chapter of their of, of the Ori series and kind of Moon Studios moving on to do something else and it seems like they're getting away from Xbox so I assume whatever they do next is going to be a multi-platform game I assume we'll see it on Switch PlayStation Xbox PC everything um, so it looks like I don't know that kind of partnership with Xbox and Moon Studios is ex- was exclusively for Ori, or at least for now. We'll see if they get back together at some point, but that's kind of a little bit dis- disappointing just because people love the Ori game so much and it's such a visually stunning game and such a well-regarded game. I think that Moon Studios would be a nice smaller get for Microsoft, but nonetheless, uh, they are on to other things with other people. So that's kind of a, a bit of a loss, I guess, but it explains what they're doing next. And now we don't have to linger and wonder about what those guys are going to do. Goodbye, Moon Studios. Uh, go ahead and, 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 and abandon us all here on Planet Xbox. We'll continue to have your Ori games to remember you by, but just remember who got you to where you are today. It wasn't your hard work and your awesome games. It was it was Xbox, so fuck you. Uh, but in all seriousness, good luck to that team in their new, in their new endeavor, as well as the other teams. Uh, I, I I don't I've never heard of, not personally familiar with League of Greeks, um, but I know Roll Seven because I did play Ollie Ollie, which is a fun little two D skateboarding game. Um, but yeah, Private Division continues to grow and invests in in smaller teams, 
And uh, we'll we'll be excited to see what happens with Moon Studios. It looks like they will not be moving forward with Xbox. And that's going to do it for all of our news this week. Now we will jump into the important enough stories, news stories, important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions, of which we got a couple of rattle off. We got Xbox head Phil Spencer confirmed that we will learn more about backwards compatibility on the Series X sometime in August, which leads credence to the rumors that the Xbox Series X reveal will be sometime next month. Next, Xbox has launched a series of videos titled ID at Xbox Summer Spotlight, which features a handful of indie games and offers further insight into some of the year's upcoming creative games from smaller, more undefined teams. Next, Dark Horse Comics will be releasing a hardcover art book for Halo Infinite later this fall titled The Art of Halo Infinite. The book will retail for $39.99 for the Standard Edition and for $79.99 for the Deluxe Edition and feature art inspired from the upcoming Xbox Series X launch title. Pre-orders are taking place now on Amazon. Next, after much speculation, developer 343 have confirmed that the Halo ring featured in Halo Infinite is indeed Zeta Halo. What makes this setting so interesting is that this is where the ancient human this is where ancient humanity once lived alongside the Forerunners, according to extended Halo lore. That means that this game is super fucking cool and that you should play it unless you totally are a sack of shit. Keeping with Halo, Halo and Razer have announced a partnership for some cool new gaming-related accessories, presumably. Although details have yet to be announced, stay tuned as we learn more about this partnership in the coming months. Next... The long-awaited first-person horror game Stalker 2, which was announced just last week during the Xbox Game Showcase, has been confirmed to support ray tracing on Xbox Series X. I'm, I, like I said, I, I'm actually getting really excited about this game. I was kind of like interested in it at first, and then after doing some research and learning more about the developers behind it and seeing that a lot of the people that made the original Stalker games split off and kind of went to, on to form 4A games, which make the Metro games, which I really enjoy, um, and kind of seeing how Stalker was kind of the precursor to that, and seeing kind of what that game looks like just tonally from that trailer i'm pretty excited to see what this game's all about i think it's a actually a pretty cool get for the xbox series x and then finally because god hates us all the upcoming marvel's avengers is getting a promotional crossover with fortnite players who participate in marvel's avengers beta which takes place throughout august will be eligible to will be eligible to receive free in-game content for fortnite like thor's hammer and some hulk hands or some shit and that's going to do it for all of our stories this week, guys. Now that we are done with the news, we will segue into the age-old traditional uh, news segment where we discuss the upcoming games of the week, judging them only by the title of the game in a screenshot and knowing nothing more about it. This week, there are 21 games, so we will do a rapid-fire get through these fast. Our first game is called May of Scare, Made of Scare which comes out on July 28th. This is a game where you play some woman in a dress from an olden period, so likely she is suffocating and cannot breathe very well. She's staring out into the moon in this uh, this abandoned-looking building. Chances are she's probably going to get burned to death because this is an old game about old uh, older times where women were usually burned for being witches. So, uh, yeah. Our next game is called Samurai Showdown Neo Geo Collection. This is a game where you play as samurais and you slash peoples in their bellies and you bring, which is a very old classic game that they used to play in Japan uh, until it was popularized in the U.S. And now, of course, Samurai Showdown is famous for being the game that introduced the American public to samurais, which is how we got the very famous American samurai, the very famous American samurai show uh, Tiger King, which is all about uh, uh, about which is all about uh, middle American samurais and how they uh, fight to survive in the harsh uh, Edo Japanese period conditions. Our next game here is called Destroy All Humans, which is basically what 
uh, our governments are trying to do. Our next game here is called Destroy All Humans. It is a game about uh, you playing as the United States uh, government, and you're trying your very best to destroy all humans. You do this by telling people not to wear masks and by not enforcing people wear masks. You also do this by uh, 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 by you also do this by bailing out uh, investors uh, financially in a time where half your fucking population is struggling to pay the rent. Uh, the game is called Destroy All Humans, uh, and it is a pretty grim and uh, realistic retelling of what's going on right now in our world. And then our next game here is called Skater XL. This game is really awesome. It's just kind of about, you know, it's exactly what the game sounds like. It's just kind of promoting, um, you know, being proud of your body type despite, you know, you know, what, what people traditionally think about, you know, what, what's, what's considered beautiful, what's considered normal, whether, you know, being skinny and fat and kind of blowing those lines of like what body types are and, and all that. So you play as a heavier set skateboarder and you do some tricks and uh, it's uh, you, it's, so it's, it's one of those games. It's actually a great game for someone like me who loves skateboarding games, um, but doesn't ever feel like they can really relate to them because I'm always a little chubby and a little out of breath, a little too, uh, going too hard on the McDonald's and things like that. So Skater XL is, it's, it's for one of those people who likes the aesthetic of skateboarding, but, uh, uh, leans too heavily on the Dunkin' Donuts to ever really be a true skater. So it's, it's about, you know, well, what if you could be an XL person and be a skater? So, Play Skater XL, where you can skate in the game so you don't have to do it in real life. Next game here is called Grounded, and I don't understand why this game is called Grounded, because there's nothing grounded about giant spiders and tiny people. So it sounds like a very, very fake, a very fake name for a very fake game. Uh, Grounded is probably, uh, it's probably an analogy for something, but I'm not, I'm too tired to think about anything, so I won't say what it is. Uh, Then another game is called Other Side, which is in black and white. Um, So it's very old. I don't know if it will run on modern X. I mean, it probably won't run on PS5 because it's not backwards compatible, Uh, but it will run on the Xbox, all the Xboxes because, um, you know, they play old games. Then we got Cubers Arena, which is a game where you play as little uh, cannonballs with armor on. Not fucking sure why you would put armor on a cannonball. It's kind of already indestructible, but I guess that's what they call it, overkill. Next game here is called 112th Seed, uh, which is, I think, a game about nutting. It's a, it's a game about planting your seed. It's a game about, on average, when a man does his business, he releases a total of 112 seeds. And I guess in this game, you take the role of one of those 112 seeds. It's probably a battle royale game. Now that I think about it, that's a great idea for a battle royale game. You play as a sperm cell, and, and you have to be the last one standing. And the objective of the game is to be the surviving sperm that gets to meet with an egg and wow that's a that's a really good idea for a battle royale game i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pitch that to some 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 fucking idiot who'd make that and then our next game here is called nicole uh which comes out on july 29th now this is one of those japanese games where people have very anime hair and all you do is talk to people and try to date them and investigate shit and buy little trinkets at convenience stores i wonder if like our i don't know i've never been in japan is like convenience store culture that big a deal i feel like every japanese game you play one of the key features like you can walk into a convenience store and buy shit like is that just like such a massive part of japanese culture is like going to 7-eleven and and buying pre-packaged ramen and a fucking pack of gum like is i just i just don't get 
why that's such a thing, but that's what it looks like you're doing in this game. Then next, we got The Sims 4 Nifty Knitting. This is the stupidest Sims game ever because you don't even get to do the knitting. You just tell The Sims to knit, and they knit what they knit, and that's pretty fucking stupid. It takes all creative control away from the players, but then again, if you're playing The Sims, you're already kind of an idiot. Then next, we got Lost Wing, which comes out on July 28th. Lost Wing actually looks pretty good. It looks like a space shooter thing. I'm probably going to give this game a try, so I won't say anything mean about it. And then Nowhere Profit is a game... Uh, where it looks like they left out the characters. They got all the stat screens and all the cards and all the all the player status bars and things like that, but all the players are missing. So this is like if you wanted to play kind of more tactical game and you wanted to make it even more boring, what you could do is just remove the animations, the combat animations, the character models on screen, and just uh, reduce it down to all the stats and kind of player cards and things like that, and it would just make it even more fucking boring than that genre already is. And then you got Hellpoint, which is a game where you play as Hell itself, and you come to Earth, and at one point, you meet up with a different Hell, and you realize that there are multiple Hells, and that uh, Hell is not only um, not knowing when the xbox series x is going to come out but it's also not knowing why the fuck they haven't released call of duty's uh, new date or or what the game is even and then we got kiwami 2 yakuza kiwami now to satiate dead captain james nope nope to satiate lethal migraine who says i should be a little more critical of these weeby ass games this looks like some kind of weeby ass game where you use uh, super ninja punches to punch people in the streets of tokyo i really like that it's a very violent game because i don't think the japanese are violent enough i really like the idea of really vilifying japan and, and trying to make them all seem like evil violent people because it makes me it makes me feel less uh less bad about how aggressive i am as a person now this game is on game pass so everyone can play it but just because everyone can play it doesn't mean everyone can relate so just keep that in mind that just because you play yakuza kiwami 2 doesn't mean you are a yakuza member so you don't have to feel guilty for all the people you kill in this game you're not you're not you're not uh, you're not a bad guy you're just uh you're just uh, killing people. And then Merchant of the Skies is the next game. It looks really shitty. And then The the Tourist comes out on July 30th. This is like Crossy Roads meets Minecraft with RTX on. And uh, it's on Game Pass, so you might as well just try it out for yourself. But I don't recommend you do it because The Tourist is like this old guy who's in a canoe. And I gotta be honest, when I think about going on vacation, the last thing I think about is going in a canoe and fucking rowing my way down some fucking malaria-infested river. I think about, you know going to uh, the, the, my home. I think about vacationing indoors. I think about drinking a martini. I think about eating a pizza pocket. These are vacation ideas. I don't know why you'd want to go out and get sunburnt on the water for your touristy vacation, but then again, maybe it's a commentary on the way some people think uh, physical activity makes them better than those of us who'd rather stay inside. Our next game here is called Castle Storm 2. Um, I didn't even know they made a first Castle Storm, so go ahead and play that Warcraft ripoff. Then we got Family Mysteries, Poisonous Promises, which is a game where you try to poison your family so that you can kill them before uh, everyone else does by putting their mask under their nose because for some reason they think that that's just as effective as wearing the mask all over the face. And then our next game here is called Seasons of the Samurai. I'm pretty sure we already did a samurai game, so I'm not going to give that extra attention. And then on July 31st, we got Swim Out, which is a game about... Um, uh, someone releases an alligator in the pool and you're not swimming out of the pool to get away from the alligator, but rather because the alligator comes bearing bad news. This is not an attacking alligator. This alligator will not hurt you. It will not bite you. It will not chase you, but it will, it will come up to you and tell you things you don't want to hear. Uh, things about like how people you thought were once your friends, how they really think about you and what they really say about you behind their backs. This alligator will tell you things about, you know, 
why you know your ex said they wanted to break up and how they what they really wanted to do was go uh, single, be mingle, and party around and sleep around. And it, this this alligator wants to hurt you. It wants to tell you that your parents got divorced because you know they just didn't feel the same way about each other anymore. But in fact, the reason why they got divorced was because they fucking regretted having you as a child and you make them miserable. So this is a game called Swim Out. It's about swimming out of of uncomfortable situations, situations that are going to uh, subject you to emotional trauma and that, you know, by staying in your safe space, by staying out of the water, by not dipping your feet in the pool, you may live a less adventurous life, but you may live a safer and emotionally less vulnerable life. Now, our next game here is called Heroes of Hammer Watch, uh, which sounds like Terraria meets Warhammer, which is, I think, a pretty obvious game that we've been waiting for. And it's the Ultimate Edition, so needless to say, it will be out on July 31st. And that's going to do it for all the games released this week, guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening through to the end of the podcast, as always. Um... You guys, a little reminder for Games with Gold. You got WRC 8 FIA World Rally Championship. You can get that for the next few days before the month ends. Um, And then you got Dunk Lords, which is available until August 15th. Otherwise, all the other games are gone except Juju, which is also available for these last few days of the month. So go ahead and get that. But more importantly, we already have our Games with Gold for August announced. So let me go over what those are so you can look forward to something new and exciting. We've got Portal Knights, which is available for the whole month on Xbox One. Then we've got Override Mech City Brawl, which is available from August 16th through September 15th. And if on September 15th we still don't know what the new Call of Duty is or how to pre-order an Xbox Series X, remember, that just means the world's ending. We're all going to fucking die. And then we've got MX Unleashed, which I'm actually excited to play. It's an OG Xbox MX game. Uh, old THQ game. I'm actually really interested in playing that. You get that for the first half of August, and then for the latter half of August, you get Red Faction 2, which is kind of a old old school classic. People really love Red Faction 2. I never personally played it, but I know it's a well-liked game, so you can go ahead and play that as well. Uh, and those are going to be... It's nice. Two OG Xbox games, two Xbox One games, no 360 games. That's a, that's a little different than usual, but pretty cool, right? Uh, so that's going to do it for our podcast this week, guys. I appreciate you listening through. I hope you all feel offended. I hope you all feel unsatisfied with this week's episode so that you can know how I feel every day of my life when I'm at my job thinking, well, I can't believe I'm 25 and this is what I do. Uh, Eric, please play a song out and, and, and play play us out with a song and, and relieve me of my existential pain. And to all of you Xbox out there, I just want to remind you this week to go out there and power your dreams.
Big Boss.